Thank you, Rick and Nancy. Be turning to Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. This immediately follows the event that we spoke about this morning. I want to look at this event, uh, number one, because a lot of people uh, through church, when they read the passage of Scripture, will read further, and uh, they'll let me know about it, because a lot of times they have a question about a passage of Scripture that surrounded the passage that we looked at, and that's okay. Uh, but we look at this simply because this morning we looked at the disciples facing a storm uh, on the Sea of Galilee. If they thought that storm was bad, the storm that was waiting on them on the other side was even much worse. This storm raises a lot of questions, and uh, I'll try to answer these or put them into a biblical perspective tonight. As we look at Mark chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 1, would you stand as the scriptures read, please? And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. And he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. And those who fed the swine fled and told it to the city and in the country. And they went out to see that, uh, what it was that happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and the legion, had the legion, sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to them, to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. They began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you, and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim and to decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marvel. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for putting some things into perspective and putting some things into a clear focus and directing our focus to the things that matter the most. We ask that this passage of scripture would teach us what we need to know about Jesus. We can leave here with confidence and courage because of who we belong to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This passage of scripture raises a lot of questions about how this whole event unfolded and about the question of, of demon possession and all things ghostly. 
Uh, and let me tell you this, most of what we hear about demons, demon possession, the afterlife, the spiritual world, ghosts, and all these things, uh, all that is we hear now and what has been written in the centuries, much of it and most of it is based on superstition, not Scripture. So there's where the fear comes from. People raise a lot of questions because they hear all these things about goblins and ghosts and, and all these foul spirits and all this, and they have these questions about it. So we understand that we look in the Scripture because if you're not looking in the Scripture, the speculation and concern about the spiritual realm, especially demon possession and these things, is totally useless. To dwell on this is totally useless, unproductive, and counterproductive. And here's the reason why. It consumes our already limited time and attention and energy that should be used pursuing the things of God and reaching people with the love of God. And believe me, when we are totally devoted to Jesus Christ and to reaching people with the love of God, we will not have the time or intellectual energy trying to dabble around with the occult and the afterlife and the, the, the ghost and all these tales that we hear on the Discovery Channel and all this that you hear going on. We really don't have time for that. But we have to say, okay, but, but there's some questions that we have about all this. This passage reveals much of what we need to know about demons, Satan, ghosts, about this stuff. Number one, this is what we need to know. The influence and working of Satan is always, always destructive. These men, for some reason, somehow, and there's two of them, as we see in the book of Matthew, and there's no contradiction here because Mark just says that he dealt with one of them who talked to him, did the talking, but there are actually two men. And these men, as you look at their life now, lost their decency. They lost their decency because we see in this passage of Scripture, the implication was that he was sitting at Jesus' feet clothed and in his right mind. The other gospel writer just simply said that they were running around without any clothes on. They were absolutely naked running around in the tombs. And also, you realize they were in the tombs. They were preoccupied with death and all things ghostly. And, you know, I noticed several years ago that uh, our popular culture got all caught up with vampires and with zombies and the walking dead and just totally fascinated with death and the undead and all these things. Well, here were these guys who had lost all sense of decency and ran off to the tombs, and there's where they hung out is in the graveyard. They had lost their families. They had lost their jobs. You can't hold a job when you spend the night in the tombs with dead bodies and then go to work without any clothes on, they'll fire you in a minute. They'll, they, you can't hold a job. They had lost their job. They had lost their dignity. And they were destroying themselves. It said that they were cutting themselves with stones. All this was the influence of Satan and his realm. It's always destructive. Why is that important for us to understand? Because let me turn that coin around. It's never 
profitable to compromise with evil and with sin and with temptation. Never, ever can we compromise with Satan and think it's going to turn out okay. His total, he's consumed. His total focus is to destroy our lives and destroy our witness, destroy our families. And so there's no way that any compromise with Satan can ever come out good. It's always destructive. It's quite interesting if you look at these guys. They were totally out of control. They were stronger than most men. They were doing things that were bizarre and totally counter to civilized society. And a lot of people, if you're observant, would say, hey, that's exactly what out of control drug addicts do. And isn't it quite something that when sorcery is mentioned in the Old Testament, it's the same word from which we get pharmacy, that sorcery always involved illicit hallucinogenic drugs. And so when we see, of course, the epidemic of meth and it's destroying communities and destroying lives, one question, where's that coming from? Where's that coming from when drug abuse destroys families and homes and communities? Well, one hint, it's not coming from the Lord, right? Where else can it come from? Isn't that something that we see all of what was going on in these guys' lives and we say, well, demon possession doesn't happen today. Well, Satan's influence happens just as there are people acting just like this in one degree or another. It's always destructive. Secondly, man's efforts alone are unsuccessful in defeating this working. Because our society not only has failed to counteract the destructive nature of Satan, our society sometimes applauds it and celebrates it and encourages it and glamorizes it. So that's the second thing to know if it comes to all things ghostly and all things scary and destructive when it comes to this afterworld and spiritual world thing, there is no effort humanly available to counteract Satan. Which brings us to the third point. Because up to now it looks pretty bad, doesn't it? And that's what people a lot of times will come to me with these questions. They're deeply troubled about these questions. They've seen this special on television. They've heard of a haunted house and they've heard of all these things. And what do you think about this? Well, this is the third thing. This is what I think about that. Jesus Christ is more powerful than any and all forces of evil combined period, regardless of what form they take, whether they take form of a, of a temptation, of a sly little trick, of whatever forces that we hear about or are these scary things that we talk about with demon possession. Jesus Christ is more powerful than any of the forces of evil. There is nothing in the spiritual world more powerful than Jesus Christ, period. So when people talk about haunted houses and ghosts and all of that, don't worry about this. Quit spending your time speculating on things that, that we don't have the answers for. And a lot of it just has to do with superstition and folktales. What we do know is this. Jesus Christ is more powerful than any of these forces. Now, even these demons recognized it. Now, scholars say, was this man really demon-possessed? He just thought he was demon-possessed. Well, the end result was the same. 
And it says that the demon said to him, you are the son of the most high. You see, Satan and any all forces of evil recognize that Jesus Christ is the son of God and God is God and they're not. So they understand all of this. And Jesus wanted to show visible proof to this man and to all around that he had power over the forces of evil. Now, this man, these men, they were truly demon-possessed, and Jesus just simply snapped his fingers said, demons get out of him. They would probably spend the rest of their lives wondering if it really happened. Jesus gave two forms of visible proof that he was more powerful than any of all the forces of evil that had terrified an entire region. Number one, he sent them into the swine. I don't know why it is that he gave them permission and talked back and forth to him and allowed them to go where they wanted to go, but I do know this. Once they got into the swine, Jesus didn't waste any time getting rid of them, and he gave physical evidence that they were gone. Because the swine then ran down the hill into the sea. Here's a little known fact that kind of gives us an idea that Jesus was capitalizing on their superstition. It was widely believed that water was fatal to demons. Aha. So the demons thought they'd struck a bargain with Jesus and going to get into the swine. And the swine ran into the water and now they're gone. They're totally, totally useless. They're gone. And now these men who had been demon-possessed, they have physical evidence with there they went, right there. They don't have to worry about it again. But now here's the most telling evidence that these men, especially this man, because it centers on this man, definitely had shown that Jesus was more powerful than anything else that he had ever dealt with. It says in verse 15, They came to Jesus and saw one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. I don't know how long this had happened. They tried chaining this guy up and he just broke the chains. They tried everything they knew to subdue this guy. And absolutely, he was still howling in the tombs and terrorizing all who had come near. Jesus comes and with one encounter, They see this man sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Undeniable evidence of this. Jesus Christ is more powerful than any and all dark spirits, forces of evil, demons, ghosts. Whatever you encounter, if people come to you all hyperventilating about this afterlife stuff, Jesus Christ is more powerful than all of it. Period. That's what we know from Scripture. So we don't go on superstition and folk tales and what if. and We don't go on that. We go on Scripture, and Scripture tells us this. Jesus said this in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 18, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. All authority, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And in the back of the book, we read about, of course, in the book of uh, Revelation, about the Antichrist and the total sway he has on the whole world. The whole world is is powerless against this guy. Society is absolutely swayed and held in his grip. And it says this, the beast and the Antichrist and Satan himself thrown in the lake of fire. 
over. Game over. God wins. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. So here are the conclusions as we look at all these things. And there's tons of questions that come up when it comes to all of the stories we hear about ghosts and haunted house and demons and demon possession. Here we go. No doubt there's probably a lot about the spiritual world we don't fully know and understand. And I'll be honest with anybody who asks, well, what about this, Brother Eric? I don't understand all there is to know about the spiritual world, but then again, I don't have to understand it. God fully understands it. So I don't have to unravel all those mysteries. What we do know from Scripture is that Jesus Christ is greater than any demon, ghost, superstition, foul spirits, any of them and all of them. He's more powerful. It's a waste of time and energy to explore them, to worry about them, to speculate about them, and to entertain idle, tall tales. Just a waste of time. We have enough to do to pursue the work of the Master's kingdom in reaching the world with the gospel. Our armor is supplied and the instructions are included. So I want to close with what Jesus Christ says about spiritual warfare, standing toe-to-toe with the forces of evil in Ephesians chapter 6. This should take all the mystery out of it and give us confidence and courage. Don't be shook up by all these things. And when you read about these things about demon possession, here's the answers you need. And here's a passage of scripture that we can go to. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, and I'll zero in on about three different verses and three different words that are very important. All right. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Catch that word stand. What are we doing against the wiles of the devil? We're standing, right? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Did you catch that? withstand in the evil day and having done all here it is again you're standing you're not cringing and trembling and running we're standing stand therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god Take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench how many of the fiery darts? How many of them? All of them. All of the weapons. We have the armor. We have the instructions. Jesus Christ is greater than all forces of evil combined and Satan himself. So these passages of Scripture... And the other things that you come up against with Hollywood and with all the idle tales out there, you don't have to worry about what we don't know about the spiritual world. What we do know about the spiritual world is we serve the King of kings, Lord of lords, and he is 
over all and all power is given to his hand and he gives us the ability to stand and to withstand. The problem is when we compromise with temptation and evil in any way, there's where we come unraveled. So these principles help us to know who do we turn to, who do we live for, who do we work for, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. Is there anything before we close?